right, Second Floor Sports. I'm Matias Wallman, Ben Carlton to my left. If you're watching us on YouTube, right below us, Ethan Farina, coming in from Wisconsin, right? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh, man. Minnesota, we are, okay. We are stretched over three states then. Second Floor Sports, a really exciting episode on this Tuesday, November 17th. we got a lot to get to. Complete NBA draft. Um, if you're listening to us on Spotify, thank you. Hit us with that five stars on Apple Pod, Google Pod. You know, a fan favorite of Second Floor Sports, uh, Breaker, of course. Uh, we're on YouTube as well or Instagram Live. So everyone that's joining in there, um, I, I guess I can, you know, Instagram Live, they can't hear me right now. Uh, probably, whole, actually, I could take my earbud. Eh, screw it. Keep screw it, it on. Yeah, better, let it rock. I'm, I'm trying to give you guys the best. <laughs> um, so, Ethan, you have been the site expert for Air Alamo for about a year now. Um, yep you have been writing there for about three, four years and you have just been working your tail off on these mock drafts. I think the it's site has put month. up like eight at this point. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we try and put out one, one a month, you know, keep people updated with where we think players are going. Um, and obviously, you know, we wouldn't usually get out eight in a year, but pushing it back to November gave us a lot more time to dig pretty deep on all the guys who will be selected yeah. tomorrow night. And it's a, uh... It's a weird draft. You know, we don't have in-person workouts. Obviously everything's all virtual. Uh, we didn't have March madness. Um, as you can tell, Ethan, I think I saw you were wearing a, a Spurs shirt, right? You're rocking mm -hmm. something down there. Uh, mm -hmm. Ben's got his, his classic. My, uh, my Denver Nuggets mellow yeah, jersey. Your mellow jersey. I got my uh, Manu Ginobili retirement jersey and I got the new Fiesta drip. Oh, I just, oh. I had to give him a shout out. Come on. Spurs won oh, last week. That's nice. And you've been um, asking for the Fiesta jerseys <laughs> since like freshman year, probably. Everybody. Yeah. yeah, this is, I mean, this was honestly just why did the Spurs not do it earlier? But I won't complain. Um, so, Ethan, we could just start off with uh, your overall thoughts on what is probably going to be a very volatile uh, draft come tomorrow night. I'm, I'm excited for it. I think this draft class, one common critique that I think people are throwing at it that I see the way it will get tossed around is that it's not very deep. It, you don't have a lot of star talent, but it's deep mm -hmm. on like role and like quality role players, guys who can end up being starters. And I feel like, honestly, I was on board with that for a while, but I feel like now it's kind of doing it a disservice because there are guys at the top of the draft, like Benny Abdia and Anthony Edwards, who are, you know, pretty much locked into being stars at some point. But locked in? Wow. I think you and I are going to have a little disagreement on that. But I think that does a disservice to like all the guys who are going to go in, you know, the 11 to 20 range where at that point for me, it's all about fit. You know, the, the class is what it is. And, you know, if you're picking in that kind of late teens, early twenties, if you can find a guy who fits an area of need and you believe in, I don't think there's a reason why people have to keep throwing this kind of negative label of like, Oh, there's not a lot of starts out. Like how many times have we seen players going in the late lottery who develop into stars because they ended up in a situation where they were able to thrive like Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero yeah. in Miami. No one thought that Tyler Hero was going to be setting, you know, finals records for points yeah. scored by a rookie, but he went to assist a system and a team that was ready for him and brought up the best of him in him. And look what happened. I had at least one name, at least from not quite as recently, but I mean, look at Kawhi Leonard, not to bring up a sore subject for you guys, but a guy who goes mid to late lottery, lands in a great yeah. situation and turns into, I, as much as I do like to make the Kawhi Leonard dig at Matias, it, I think it's a fair comparison there. I fit is, is huge, especially in a draft like this, where I, I get what you're saying, or maybe it's not fair to call it not a, a superstar laden draft, but there's not that 
there's not that clear like top two top three guys who are like wow these three are going to be like the cream of the crop here yeah and that's true you don't have your zions or your john morantz i don't even know if there's i guess you could probably put rj barrett and anthony edwards in like that same tier of similar category yeah thing you know what you're getting but I think that there's the depth here. There's going to be a lot more opportunities for teams to find someone that really fits what they need and their, their system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll come out of this and, you know, look back on this in five years from now. And I think we're going to see a lot of really high quality starters coming out of this class. So, so I'll ask you, Ethan, before, cause you have your mock up and obviously uh, mm-hmm. Spotify listeners and for everything, we're going to link it on our Twitter and our Instagram. So you guys can check it out, but we're going to run through it all in just a second. I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions what you thought. Um, yeah. You know, uh, for a lot of the chatter around this draft, it was where is the best spot to be picking, which seems like a dumb question, right? You probably want to be picking in the top three. That's what you'd think. Yeah. Um, the sentiment has been, you want to be picking anywhere from five to the end of the lottery. And I kind of have to agree. What are your thoughts on that? I really think that, that's there's a section from about like in my mock i think it goes from like 12 to 18 it's really point guard heavy mm-hmm. where you can see guys like kira lewis cole anthony um i'm blanking on one more but there's another player i had going in there that i think that's just a really talent rich area of the draft where Maxie? yes tyrese maxi mm-hmm. where say you're in seven and eight and you can trade down into that 13 and 15 area and still get the guy you're going after, which there's going to be a team who's going to look at the board at around seven, eight, nine, and think, okay, we can jump back five spots, mm. still get our guy, pick up a second round picker and end of the bench player along the way. That's where I think the most value is going to be that area at the, the back end of the lottery, those first couple of picks just outside, there's plenty of great players there for the taking. And so you talk about that kind of, you know, outside the top, top tier selections, who in that range do you feel like is the guy that people are going to be looking back on in three, four years and say like, wow, how did we possibly miss on this guy? Ooh, uh, I think that area, I think Kira Lewis is going to be a great pick for whoever gets him. I've seen a lot of people picking. I mean, he's really jumped up boards over the past mm-hmm. couple of weeks. I remember just a few weeks ago, I think it might've been in our most recent our mock draft, the seventh one we put out, I had him going like 20th to the heat. Mm-hmm. And now I think he could go as high as 13. Um, I think all the talent is there. I think he's going to need, you know, a year or two to, you know, adjust to the speed of the NBA because decision-making has been a little bit of a problem. He kind of dribbles himself into trouble, but I think he's going to be a player who we're going to look back on in a few years and be like, I don't know how he slipped. And and it's funny with Kira Lewis. I mean, we'll we'll obviously talk about him, uh, you know, more extensively later, but it's funny that you mentioned the speed of the NBA, right? What's his biggest strength? that he is probably the fastest player he absolutely flies up and down the court yeah when he gets in those half court situations then it gets a little bit more complicated i feel like we see that a lot with guys in the draft especially recently where athleticism and kind of that that is not like that he's a a positionless type of player but the type of guy where it's like you take the the athlete and then you kind of trust your coaching staff after the fact you say all right let's coach this guy up let's get him where he's not Mm -hmm. dribbling himself into bad situations where he's properly harnessing that explosive ability Mm -hmm. All right, let's let's hop right into it. Um, so we got your mock draft pulled up. Of course, again, we'll link right to your mock draft so you can uh, so you can take a look at that. And also, you know, there are really great writers in Air Alamo. I can't think of another one. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I can't come up with anyone. <laughs> um, so we'll start with the number one pick, and it, it's crazy because fit wise, 
in my eyes, there's only one guy that really works here that yeah. I really see working. But at the same time, picks one, two, and three, no one has any idea who is going to make those picks. And <laughs> this might be, you know, a smokescreen because we hear that most years, but the T-Wolves haven't decided who they're picking yet. Apparently uh, you have Anthony Edwards out of Georgia going there. I agree. Ben, what do you got? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's the cleanest fit among, between him and Wiseman. I mean, the Wolves don't need Wiseman, obviously with Carl Anthony Towns. They just, they extended D'Angelo Russell. I mean, a- Edwards, I think it's a clean fit for the team and a great fit for Edwards because it's going to put him in a position where he doesn't need to be the lead ball handler. He can just go out there and try to score and not have to do too much, which is where we saw him get into a lot of trouble in Georgia. What did you, so what ben, did you see? You're going to throw Lamella ball out the window there. You don't think he's even a consideration with the first pick? If they're committed to D'Angelo Russell, I don't think it makes any sense. I and mean, who are you playing off ball in that situation? I think Russell's shown that he can be an off-ball guy. You know, we didn't see it much in Golden State, but that was kind of the idea there when they traded for him, right? They mm-hmm. Golden State believed that they could. I think their end game was to trade him away. They weren't going to have a long-term future built yeah. around a back of Ken, Steph, and Clay. But when they traded for him, I think they were thinking, hey, he can play off the ball. He's a proven catch-and-shoot shooter. Um, I think Ball, Lamelo would give them the size that they need in their backcourt to kind of stay with other teams. He's got wing size. He'll need to put on weight, but I don't think the defense would be too big of an issue in the next two years, but I think there's definitely a consideration for ball. And I don't know how much you got, how much stock you guys put into mm. Bovada odds or anything. Lamelo ball is the odds on favorite. Bovada's got him at, I think like minus 160 right now. So the bookmakers probably know something. I hadn't seen that actually. I don't know. The thing about Lamelo ball that scares me is I, it's I, not to sound like a broken record here, but it's the similar issue to what Lonzo's problem was coming out of college. His jump shot is just I, ugly, for lack of a better term. Like, it's not a clean jump shot, and it is a process to overhaul a guy's shot like that. It is a process, and I don't think you're wrong, but look at the pro- look at the progress that Lonzo has made from coming into the NBA to now, where mm. he's put in clearly hours upon hours of work into his shot, and he was above a Near a forty percent, I want to say thirty-seven percent from deep last year, which mm-hmm. that, as that works. For as busted as his jump shot was, I think we consider that a win. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right there. At least you know you look at Lamelo's mechanics, and they're not nearly as bad as Lonzo's were. Um, yeah. The bigger question with Lamelo, um, and I know we were going to talk about Anthony Edwards here, but honestly, it's one of those two. I don't think. A lot of people are expecting yeah. Wiseman to go number one. I think that's barring a trade. I assuming I for this whole conversation, assuming we're talking yeah. about as, as if everyone stays put, which I think we all agree yeah. is probably yeah. not going to happen. Um, you know, with Lamelo and Anthony Edwards, it's defense is kind of that question, um, and shooting think, for both of them as well it, it, for different reasons, though. You know, Edwards. I think is Anthony just, Edwards' defensive potential is huge, though, just because of his frame. He's building Lamelo's a linebacker. Is too. I mean, Lamelo's is too. He's that is a long. That's a long guy there. He's shown that when he's engaged, he can play. That's a big time yeah. win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's it's something that you got to consider um, with those two. Um, you know, also something we have to consider with the number one overall pick is that you know the Nets and the Rockets are trying to work something out with Harden. And I think Sam Vicini said it uh, on his latest uh, pod that he said maybe they try to get a three team trade so that the Rockets can get the best overall uh, prospect. They ended up getting number one. Harden goes to Brooklyn. I mean, have you seen no. anything? I, I didn't even see that as like a possibility. Have you seen like any framework no. of a deal there? Or that's just kind of dust yeah. in the wind. It's kind of yeah, dust. Yeah. I think Minnesota, of the teams in the top three, if they move, 
they're moving down to three with yeah. Charlotte, with Charlotte's, you know, hot for Wiseman. I think mm-hmm. that's the only move that they are making now. They're not getting Beal. Minnesota fans, they fooled themselves into thinking they were going to get Devin Booker for a while. That's clearly not happening. If Minnesota moves, that whole storyline made so little sense to me. <laughs> like, Minnesota it, it, fans, like I love NBA Twitter as much as the next guy, but I was, I remember reading that and I'm just like, in what world? And like, what, what pieces do they have? Like it just, it never made any sense. I don't even want to talk about it any longer, but so, uh, poor, poor Anthony Edwards though. Right. I mean, we, we went into this, we have him as the number one pick and we haven't even, and we're not even mentioning him. So I think he's, I think yeah. he's the best fit for this position by, you know, a pretty significant margin. And I think he would dramatically help them improve as a basketball team. He's a guy who can, you know, go and get his own shot. And I think the reason why there are so many questions about, his ability to score effectively is because when you're the only guy on your team at Georgia who can score on a consistent basis, you don't really have the, you know, affordability to consider whether what you're doing is effective or not. He had to go out there and try and win his team basketball games. And if that yeah. meant putting up risky shots and maybe ill-advised shots, no one else on the team who you really can count on to make them. So it falls to Edwards and he did, he did damn well at it. Yeah. That was Last a bad time. Georgia team though. That was a bad team. And last point on Edwards here, because we got lots to get to. I know player comps are such a such a crapshoot. What yeah. type of what type of comparisons do you see for Anthony Edwards? Truthfully, I haven't really considered. Uh, I haven't really considered it. Um, I try. I've been trying to shy away from player comps because I feel like they are so. You know, you look at okay, who's his size, uh, where do you go to college, that sort of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, his ceiling. I think he can be an All Star level player. Um, I don't know if he reaches like that superstar, superstar, that top tier of players, but I think if you have, a t- if you're the T wolves and you walk away from this draft with Anthony Edwards and your team is, you know, cat D and Anthony Edwards for the next five years and see how you do. I think it can be very, very solid core. I don't think yeah. you're too upset about that. No. Um, we'll, we'll move to number two. Um, I think if they hold on to this pick, I think it should be a no brainer that it's James Wiseman. Although, a lot of people are high on Okungwu. Depends what direction they go in. Um, I, I think yeah. Okungwu and Draymond together is just kind of redundant. I mean, I think that's kind of what you, at least what I see in Okungwu. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Am I getting that right? Okungwu. Okungwu. Um, I don't know if I'd call him redundant with Draymond, but I do think Wiseman is the pick here. I also know that they had a workout with Danny Atia and they were very, very high on I'm him. I'm saying that. They really like his character. They really like his work ethic. I think the biggest concern with his game is his shooting ability. And if there was a team in the league where that's, you know, mitigated to a pretty serious extent, it's with the Warriors. But you look at what the Lakers were able to do, basically bullying the Rockets out of the Western Conference (laughs) playoffs by going big. And right now, unless – if if you're Steve Kerr and Joe Lacob, what are you going to do? Going to the season and think, okay, you know who's going to stop Anthony Davis? Marquise Chris. That's our (laughs) – no. That's not going to work out. That's not going to work out the way you hope. I think this is the best place for Wiseman possibly to go. Yeah, I think in terms of what he can do there is exactly what they need. You know, rebound, pick and roll, um, go in for lob dunks, make the easy play. But uh, I don't, I don't think, I don't think they hold on to this. I think, I think this pick yeah. is away from the Warriors by the time, by the time it's all said and done. And let's let, let's give Wiseman some credit too, because you know the, the question is kind of his play on the perimeter, whether it be shooting or perimeter defense, which 
there aren't mm-hmm. a lot of centers that can keep up, but you, you know, you're going for upside here. You know, he has shown some promise with an outside mm-hmm. stroke. I think Wiseman mm-hmm. probably, now I, I, I see his floor and his ceiling a little higher than Edwards. It's just the fit just isn't there. Um, you know, for Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Again, you know, I want to go back to something you just mentioned there. You don't think they hold on to this pick. I know we have written a bunch of articles about the Spurs potentially trading up to two for Aldridge, which yeah. apparently there, there I, is some reason there's smoke there. I don't there's get There's got to be a lot more involved than LaMarcus Aldridge. LaMarcus at this point. I, even that, fits, prime, that fits for them, though. That it fits, fits but them. to give up the second overall pick, that's, I, I don't know what, I, what other packages could the Spurs throw together to get to that. I start with I LaMarcus, think- but – I think you start with LaMarcus, and I think one that we put together was, I think, LaMarcus, Rudy Gay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's those two for Andrew Wiggins and the second overall pick, yeah. which if you're a warrior, if, I mean, it gets you out from under Wiggins' albatross of a contract. Yeah. You don't necessarily need the second overall pick to contend. Rudy Gay and Aldridge are on expiring deals. They can help you out with areas of need, and it just sets them up pretty well to make another run at a title. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I don't know if they're if they how highly they value the second pick, but to me that makes a fair amount of sense, especially given the magnitude of the deals we've seen go down over the past couple of days, where you yeah. see, you know, Drew Holiday commanding three first round picks. I don't think one well, second overall pick is too much to add for Aldridge. Yeah, I, I guess I'll defer to you guys as the Spurs experts here. That seems a little bit light to me for the second overall pick. I, I think you're exactly right, though, Ethan. The Warriors don't have. The Warriors have no obligation to do anything in particular with the second overall pick. They can no. take a young prospect and start the, not the rebuild, obviously, but start to like fill in that core again. Cause I and Steph and clay aren't getting any younger. Draymond's not getting any younger. They've got to look to the future eventually, or they can trade it. I mean, I think they might be honestly in the best spot of anyone in this draft because yeah. they know they're running Steph clay and Draymond next season. And they're going to compete for a mm-hmm. Western conference title. Like they can kind of do whatever they want here. And I have a lot of faith in the Warriors front office to get creative with this. I think the understated point of that of this whole like hypothetical deal is that it gets Andrew Wiggins off their books mm-hmm. where if, if he's gone and they have Aldridge and Gay for this season and they can go into the summer of 2021 where there's a lot more free agents available and they have a little bit more financial flexibility, there's going to be a superstar out there who's disgruntled, wants to get a ring. Mm-hmm. Clay and Steph are waiting. They have the financial wiggle room to make it happen. Someone you had in mind there? You get a title shot this year, and then you have the financial freedom to add another star, make another title shot next year. Yeah, I think the big question with this pick is, you know, if the Warriors think that Wiseman can be a huge piece for them this year, they might hold on to that because I think he's going to be a damn good player. And the thing with Wiseman is that we got to remember he played what four games at Memphis this year. Yeah. Um, and you know we've seen with you know uh, another center like Mitchell Robinson who has shown a lot of, he's shown a lot of upside. I don't think nearly as much as Wiseman, but you know, he, he didn't play college ball and it's taken him a couple of years and he's now starting to round into a more complete player, but things like that take time. Do the Warriors have time? Probably not. I I don't don't know if I go quite that far. They have time, but their window is definitely right now. When you're thinking about three years to wait is what I'm saying. Yeah. His defensive impact, it really comes down to the question of, Will he be able to stay on the court consistently in a seven-game series with the Los Angeles Lakers? Can you trust rookie yeah. James Wiseman to play consistent defense against Anthony Davis in a seven-game series? Mm-hmm. If you believe but, he can, I think it's a pretty simple, pretty simple choice here. If you don't believe he can do that, 
why are you holding on to the pick? By the same token, though, what give me the list of guys that you actually trust to play consistent playoff defense think, against Anthony Davis. I don't think you want it, LaMarcus Aldridge guarding him one-on-one either. <laughs> and that's kind of like, obviously, you have to worry about that matchup. But at a certain yeah. point, you got to be like, Jesus Christ, it's Anthony Davis. Like, yeah. what, what, what can you possibly do with him? I mean, at least Aldridge has the veteran experience. This isn't his yeah. first group of action. He's been in big playoff games, and he knows how to play, like, smooth team defense. Can, yeah. Do you believe that Wiseman can adjust to that learning curve in the condensed 72-game season, basically without a training camp? I, I don't think you can. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I mean, there's a lot of speculation going into that pick. At the end of the day, we have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> um, I, I think as of right now, first two, we are on board with. Here's where yeah. it kind of starts going off the, yeah. the rails. Really this, this is the fun part about this draft to me, is like starting yeah. right now, who knows what happens after I would. This. I would assume that uh, I would assume that the T Wolves will hold on to their pick and either take Lamelo or take Edwards. I would assume that whoever moves into two will probably take Wiseman. Mm-hmm. Who knows? They might take another one of those guys. I, I, I could see a, a, a complete dark horse team. Yeah. I, I could see possibly Chicago moving up to two. Trying to, well, I've, I've just heard Chicago connected to Lamelo. I don't know if they quite mm-hmm. have the pieces to get to two. I could, I could see Chicago, if, if we're talking about one team trading up to get LaMelo, if, especially if he doesn't go first overall, obviously, I could see that being Chicago. Third, you have going to the Hornets, Onyeka Okongwu out of USC. Yeah. This yeah. is this guy is a stud. Um, yeah, his, fit, his fit in the NBA is a little uh, worrisome on offense. Just tell me what you liked about him and then kind of some of the uh, question marks you have. I think <laughs> question marks I have. I don't think I have any. Um <laughs> Onyeka Okongwu, I, I'm going to plug her right here. Bleacher Report article from Mirren Fader. She had a really great profile on him, uh, just his personality and what he does well on and off the court. Just he, I think he's perfectly suited for today's NBA. I think he's about as bust-proof of a player as you'll find in this draft class. That's a big you label. Know. It is. I, and I, I truly, I am 100% behind it. I think this, I think this young man is absolutely bust-proof. He, he can play defense at any area of the floor. I can He's promise you that's getting thrown in the description for the episode. <laughs> I can promise you that. Go for it. Put my name on it. I'm comfortable with it. He's a great defender. He's a rim protector who can stay with guards out on the edge. Mm-hmm. He can handle a little bit. He's comfortable grabbing a rebound, taking it up the floor, making an assist, or driving to the hoop. He's got a deep, deep bag of post moves. The only real question is, will he be able to space the floor? And he's been consistent from the free throw line. I think that area of his game can develop, Mm -hmm. but even if it doesn't, you know, you're getting a well-rounded offensive player who can hold it down at the defensive end with pretty much anybody in the league. And I think if you're the Charlotte Hornets, you've had a hole in the middle of your team since you had, I don't know, Al Jefferson. (laughs) Wow. So, They've needed hey, a consistent. Put some respect on uh, Bismack Biombo's name, all right? Oh, oh man. <laughs> we have a friend of ours that we went to Indigo with that might be the biggest Bismack Biombo fan that has ever existed. He has a jersey, I think. He has a Bismack jersey. I don't understand. But... Respect to Bismack and respect to, you know, <laughs> White Howard when he stepped in there for a cup of coffee. Right. But I they haven't had a good big man in forever. Yeah. And I think this pick almost makes – if they don't get Wiseman, they, the Hornets want Wiseman. Mm-hmm. But my fear with them is that they're going to ask Wiseman to do too much 
right out of the get-go where they're going to throw him into the center into their starting center position and he doesn't have complementary players like he would in golden state or another team like clay and steph who can make who can minimize his needed impact for them to win games charlotte doesn't have that i think they can ask a lot more out of okongu right away than they can wiseman and sure i'm sure there's gonna be some hornets fans who be like god damn why didn't we get wiseman they should be very happy if they walk away from this trial with O'Connor. There's, there's the very real possibility with Wiseman, you got to be patient for a couple of years and yeah. he's still going to be good. And it's funny because in a draft that it's that a lot of people are saying like, you know, if you got the pick, take a home run swing, try to, you know, hit that superstar that you wouldn't think. And O'Connor was probably one of the safest picks in this draft. I, I, I agree with you that he's one of the safest picks in this draft, but I mm-hmm. feel like that doesn't do his full star potential justice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bam Adebayo, like we just said, I don't love player comparisons. Uh, that, I was going to get into that. Yeah. He can, he can do exactly the same things as Bam Adebayo. And we saw Bam become, you know, one of the most dynamic big men in the league this year. And I think Okongu can reach that same level. I think I, I, I these... kind of answered, I was going to get into what you yeah. thought his, like what his ceiling was fine. That's, Kind of the same thing I was seeing when I was looking at his scouting report, looking at his highlights, like very much strikes me as that the future of NBA big men. Mm-hmm. I think, I think for Okongwu too, um, you talk about, you know, marketability, the guy that the, the way that guy like rips down the rim is absurd. Like I would, I would go to a game if I'm a Hornets fan. And again, that's a team that needs a reason to get fans into the stands besides, you know, tickets being five bucks. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the ability for him, he's going to break a backboard at some point in his career. Thanks so. I, it's possible. I he mean, two big statements on the show. Yeah. We're what? Minutes proof and he's going to break a rim. <laughs> this guy's going to be a superstar. Apparently. Um, after here, this, I really like what you went for four because absolute just agent of chaos move. This yeah. has been, I, I was, when I, the first time reading through your mock draft, my, I like, had to do a double take when I saw who you had here. This is probably who has been the biggest riser, uh, at least in the last month, but since March. I mean, this guy was basically not a lottery pick. Um, and it's Patrick Williams out of Florida State. You can see why he's going this high because of, you know, his frame. And you watch him for five minutes play defense. You understand. This is a guy that came off the bench, only stayed there for a year. Tell me what you like about him enough to, for the Bulls to take him at four. This was kind of a this was kind of a moonshot of a pick, honestly. And I like I really like Williams, and he has been talked about as like a, a target for the Bulls. There is that kind of smoke out there, but it does beg the question: How much of this is just smoke? Because he's he's rising up draft boards, and like you said, the potential is definitely there. And I think there definitely is interest in you know the top ten for him. But I don't know how much of this is real. How much of this is a really good sell job by his agent? Um, and I think I the would Bulls be inclined are- to believe more the latter. Yeah. And I think the Bulls are the biggest question mark in the top five where they can go, you know, in any variety of directions and come out of this being okay, where they could take LaMelo ball here and they can well, make it. Good. When I saw that you didn't have LaMelo in the top three, I kind of, before I even clicked through to the fourth pick, I kind of assumed you had LaMelo going to Chicago because everything I've yeah. been reading about the Bulls is that they they're looking for that lead guard. Mm-hmm. They're looking for, they're, they definitely could use a lead guard because, you know, Levine, who they're rumored to be shopping around, him and Kobe White are both more, you know, get my, I'm going to go get my buckets. I'm going to get shots yeah, exactly. up. Exactly. Style of guard. So I can definitely see the case for LaMelo here. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I think Chicago, they could go LaMelo, Patrick Williams, Denny, anyone they want. I don't really see this as a, a possible lose situation. I think they're going to come out of this as winners no matter what. And I think the the big thing you talk about, you know, the 
the sell job that his agent has done. And obviously this happens every NBA Every draft. year there's one guy got, who just shoots out of nowhere. And especially now when, you know, you have a limited amount of workouts you can do, you know, with certain players, it becomes a little mm-hmm. easier just because everyone is so uncertain. Um, I think from four to nine, it could really go in any direction. Um, yeah. Tell me if I'm missing something here. From watching Patrick Williams, and I would love if the Spurs can get him at 11, I think the only question mark about him is, can he live up to the hype? I mean, he's 6'9". He has a 7'1 frame. He's shown promise that he can shoot. He's incredibly smart on defense. He has a crazy mm-hmm. IQ. He's a great rim protector. Like, what am I missing here? <laughs> I, I don't really think you are missing anything. I think the only kind of question about it is – you know, it's sample size. We haven't yeah, seen much yeah. of them. Is it enough to convince you to use a top five pick on him? Maybe, you know, do you trust your development staff to help him reach his ceiling? And are you going to put him into a position where he doesn't have to do too much? Cause I think if you're, if you're Chicago and you're drafting Patrick Williams, uh, I think you have to be comfortable with the idea that he's probably not starting for you on day one. Mm-hmm. He might to spend a little bit of time in the G league, but let's be honest, the bulls weren't going to, contending for an Eastern conference championship anytime in the near future anyway. So I think they can afford to wait that time. That's so, the piece I keep coming back to here is I, on paper, I don't necessarily think Patrick Williams goes this high. It's just from what I've been seeing, but like you just said, the bulls aren't, the bulls have no timetable right now. Like they have no, mm-hmm. they have no need to be anywhere in particular right now. Like they can take mm-hmm. the time to get a Patrick Williams and develop him, work with him and let, let him learn on the court and play through his mistakes. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing here is that they can go in any direction they want this is your opportunity to take a home run shot. You've got good guards with White Levine. Your front court's pretty solid with uh, Markinen and Wendell Carter. You need that. You need that superstar wing. Patrick yeah. Williams is your guy. Mm. I still, I, I'm not completely sold that the Bulls go with Williams at four. I think they either try to trade out if they know a team is desperate to get Lamelo, which I promise you, someone is. I mean, I for the Pistons or the Knicks. Do you imagine, uh, Ben? This is for you. Oh boy. Imagine LaMelo ball in a Knicks Jersey. I don't want him on the Knicks. That is asking for so much more headache than Knicks fans <laughs> need. Like you do, Ben. I know you do. I don't want to, I don't want to jump the gun on what I think the Knicks are going to do, but I'll, I'll offer a spoiler. Okay. It'll be the wrong move. Whoever they pick, <laughs> it's not going to work out. I promise you that. Um, uh, I let's, still let's think, talk. And yeah. Let's, let's talk LaMelo. You've got him going at five to the Cavs. Mm-hmm. I don't really see him lasting this long. I think if he gets past the top two picks, there's a bidding war. Someone I think is there's going a bidding war. I, I can I can see. I agree with your top three. I think someone jumps in at four, and takes uh, and takes Lamelo, and you know, I, I, at uh, yeah, takes Lamelo at four, and then I see the Bulls trade back until what eight or nine, maybe if yeah. the Pistons at seven. Or if the, I don't know. Possibly the Knicks. I mean. Knicks at eight, Wizards at nine, you know. I don't know. I don't know about the Wizards. I think the Pistons or the Knicks. I can see the Pistons or the Knicks trying to come up and make a move for LaMelo. But regardless. Yeah, I think that possibility is there from those two teams. But, I mean, if he goes to the Cavaliers, they're kind of dealing with a similar situation to the Bulls are, where Darius Garland and Colin Sexton both can play either guard position, but both of them are more scoring inclined. They're not, Mm -hmm. you know, born distributors. They already have, I mean, they're, they're locked into Andre Drummond. They got Kevin Love for the foreseeable future. You need somebody who can spread the rock around. And LaMelo, yeah. for all of his shortcomings as a scorer, um, all the improvement that he needs to do on defense, the man is a visionary passer. Yeah. He is yeah. one of the most creative and ballsy passers I've ever, oh, 
damn good punt. Uh, hey, that was good. <laughs> but he, he, he sees angles before anybody else does. He has the height to look over the defense, and he's, I mean, he's going to take risks. There's going to be times of incredible frustration, but I think this is a, a really good fit for him. And I saw, I forget where I saw this. I know he's so oversaturated with scouting reports at this point. <laughs> I think, I forget where I saw it, but someone said LaMelo Ball passes like he's on the Globetrotters, and somehow it works. Mm-hmm. And that's just like been stuck. I think that was uh, Kevin a, O'Connor's. I think was that was his, uh, yeah, his, his mock, I think. I love that. Like it's such a it's such a bizarre comparison, but he's not wrong. Like it, I, again, we're we're talking about a guy who hasn't really played in any competitive, any highly competitive league in what two years now? Lithuania and then Australia. Mm. And Australia is not a bad league, but it's no. He's shown, he's shown not a lot of tier. improvement too. He's shown a lot of yeah. improvement, and I I know we're all dying to talk about his off the court stuff. And it there are some. Said. Yeah, it has to. It, it whether it's going to be a problem or not, it has to be said. Um, I don't especially New York. I think I think the stuff off the court is so 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 overblown, and I, I'm, I'll, I'll I'll plug her again. Miran Fader, great profile on Mellow Ball, where she followed him around, went down to New Zealand and interviewed him. And this kid has been in the yeah. center of the spotlight since he was 15. Yeah, you know, maybe even younger. He's had eyes on him for forever. Well, was, it, was, a, was it his sophomore year of high school? He put up 92. Yeah. And, you know, imagine you're a 15 or 16 year old kid and you have people, grown adults, hounding you wherever you go, asking for autographs. You have your own reality TV show on Facebook. If there was ever a player in this draft who was prepared to be in the spotlight, be it in New York or Cleveland, mm-hmm. I think with Romello, I don't think he's focused on any of that. I think he is focused on being a good basketball player. And yeah, you have to deal with his dad going on first take every once in a while and saying something stupid. But if it gets you the best passer in the draft, like whatever, that's a cost you're willing to. That, yeah. you'll, you'll get that. Mm-hmm. So let, let's not do him a disservice because everything that's coming out of his camp and people that have interviewed him and stuff have said that he's a great interview, even though he's mm-hmm. seems a little more quiet and he seems like a high character player. So let's talk about mm-hmm. Lamelo Ball, the player, um, because five, I can't see him really dropping past five here. Yeah, um, he is like you mentioned, fantastic playmaker, creator can dribble with both hands. He can be a good shooter. The question is, you know, his shot selection and does he piece it together from shot selection, And he still needs like an NBA shooting program to fix his yeah. jumper. Like he shoots yeah. the ball from his chin. Mm-hmm. He'll take time, but I agree yeah. with you. Zero percent chance he's there after five. He's yeah. gone. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's any, assuming he makes it to Cleve to Cleveland at five or he makes it to the fifth pick. Do you think there's any shot Cleveland looks at the 14 guards on their roster already and the two first-round guards have taken the last two drafts and says, we can't invest another top pick in a guard? With all due respect to Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, no. I don't, I don't think they factor into this decision at all. I think mm-hmm. those two guys are really great at scoring, not so great at leading an offense. And Ball, if, if he's not going to Cleveland, I think Cleveland flips this pick. Yeah. But I, I do not think Lamella Ball is – when Atlanta's on the clock – He's not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, oh man, I, I hope at, actually, I kind of hope Atlanta takes them just because that would be just an absolute circus. Um, it would be fun. They'd probably, you know, they'd score 140 and give up 145 points a night, yeah. maybe. Um, one of the most interesting teams in yeah. this draft, honestly. Well, we, I know at Air Alamo, we had talked about maybe them trading for DeRozan, trying to get mm-hmm. another one, like a wing score, a forward score like that. Mm-hmm. If they keep six here and they take Halliburton out of Iowa State, I 
absolutely love this pick. I think this Halliburton is, might be my favorite player in the class. I this is one of the safer players. Um, and that's a that's the thing with him. That's kind of the knock is that you don't unless he can develop that ability, you know, off the dribble to be a a, a good creator, um, in getting his own shot. It's he's more of a, a safe floor player. Although I do think he's going to be a very good player. He is perfect along with Trey Young, for example. Yeah, I think they have a lot of guys on this team who, you know, play well with Trey, but they need that secondary guard in the backcourt to kind of shore up his defense and can play more off the ball. And they don't have a backup point guard where Halliburton fills both those roles. And the fears about his ability to create his own shot, they're definitely valid. He doesn't have elite athleticism. He's not the most explosive guy in the class, but how, with how good of a passer Trey Young is and how well he, you know, does those little shifty moves kind of hints at his teammates. Trey Young's gravity is going to open up easy, easy by he already opens up easy buckets for the whole team. Halliburton's mm-hmm. so smart. He strikes me as a guy that is in perfect position to take advantage of a guy like Trey Young, who's always yeah. the focus of the defense. And he's an elite catch and shoot shooter. He, he is a great shooter from behind the arc. And this kind of like plays into like one of the kind of knocks on his game is that his, his shot is a little wonky. He it's not quite in the ball family range, but it's, <laughs> Not it's not like a picturesque, perfect looking jump shot. I don't really care. It's the numbers so, are there. Like it, it works. This is the thing that I keep going back to. If Sean Marion can have a successful NBA <laughs> career shooting it from shooting it from his belly button, I have no concerns about Tyrese Halliburton having a weird shot, given how successful he's been. Yeah, there there, there are a couple of guys that we're gonna get to, especially in the early teens, that are you know good three and D guys. But they got they have something weird in their mechanics. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I think we've been basically on track. I have, uh, I have Lamelo going at four, like we talked about. Um, I think Patrick Williams drops still a little bit. I have Halliburton at six, but I had Denny Abdia going a little earlier. Denny. But that's where we get to at seven. Uh, Bed is not a believer. Uh, I did, when did I say I'm not a believer? Okay. Okay, I said we have different opinions. Yeah, uh, I love Denny. Um, I This is the kind of player who's coming from abroad. He's young and experienced, and he is a point forward, all intents mm-hmm. of the words. I mean, he, he is good at creating. I think the shot will come. Um, again, we talk about, you know, what has come out of uh, LaMelo, how he's a high-character player, and he's willing to, you know, adapt to his role and learn. The same thing has been said about Denny, that he is fantastic, that he is a gym rat, and that he will work to fix that shot. The question is, three-point shot was not good, and he was not very good. Well, the, the thing that line. For, I, point blank terrifies me about Denny Abdiha, since 2017, he's shooting 56% from the free throw line. Yeah. How? How are you possibly a professional basketball yeah. player, a, a guard-forward hybrid? You're not a big man that shoots 56% from the line. We always talk about guys who might not have great three-point numbers in college or whatever league they played in before the NBA. We like Killian Hayes, who you have the Knicks taking. Mm-hmm. 86% from the line. His three-point numbers aren't great, but at least the form is there. It's encouraging. I, that's my big concern about Abdihaz. I My two big concerns are that his jump shot is not good, for lack of I, – I don't know how else to explain that. And for, for a guy that's coming over from Europe or from – did he play in Israel or did he play in Europe? He played in yeah. Israel, yeah. Played in Israel. Maccabi, Maccabi Tel Aviv. He was good, not great, and that scares me. Like, yes, he's young and the experience matters, but yeah. he didn't – He didn't. and watching his film, he didn't wow me with any particular sequence. I think 
I think he's going to be a great player. Obviously, jump shot is a big consideration. I'm not worried about his ability to play in the NBA. I just don't know. I'll put it out there. I'm not 100% sure if he's a right fit for the Pistons. But I think when they're on the clock, they have if, if, the mock draft, if the draft goes how we've planned it out so far, Pistons are on the clock and both Killian Hayes and Denny are there. It really comes down to what do they value? I think, you know, Denny, they both have superstar potential. Which one do they believe in more? I think Denny could be the guy, but there, you can also make a strong case for Hayes. I mean, they need a lot, so I don't think they can go wrong with either one. But I think I have Denny's ceiling being a little bit higher, which is why I put him here. Yeah, I really like – I'm all in on what I saw with him as a point forward. I do believe – again, it's if he can't shoot from three, if he can't figure it out – He's going to be, you know, a mid-tier, low bench player by the time his career and is that's done. That's my concern. Is we, I, his floor, he seems like a real, like, boomer bust type of guy. Where it's, If he can't figure out this jump shot, he's best – I think best case scenario, if he doesn't figure out his jumper, he's your, like, seventh guy. I think there's a, there's a future where the Pistons make this pick and they're running out an intriguing lineup of, like, Luke Kennard, Seiko Dumbuya – Abdia and Christian Wood, which, you know, you slot in another guard down the road who maybe takes a little bit of, the play, of a playmaking role, gives you some more three-point shooting. But Dumbuya, Abdia, and Wood, that's a really intriguing front court that I think yeah. gives you all sorts of options where, you know, you might not quite have the shooting that you need. Hopefully, I mean, you get that from Kennard. Hopefully you get that from whatever point guard they end up adding eventually. But I think there's enough intrigue there where, you know, Detroit, they're a team that has to take a risk. I don't think yeah. Seku will be, you know, a superstar level player. I'm a big believer in Christian Wood, but they need an alpha dog. And I think Denny has that inner drive. I think he's got all the intangibles and big if, if he can get his, uh, if, if he can get his jumper down, I think this is a home run for them. I, I hate to come back to one stat and evaluating a prospect because obviously it's, it's never, you can never define a guy by one number or one thing, but I, 2017 is three full years ago at this point, and he is his shot hasn't improved. It, yeah. it, it concerns me a lot. It's every time I look at him, and every time I read a scouting report, you know, I'm reading the same like four scouting reports every day just because I'm looking for stuff to read. Mm-hmm. His lack of a jump shot scares me. It's it's definitely a valid concern. Um, I don't know if he had been putting in, and this is impossible to say if he had been putting in the work that he needed, or if he was just focused on you know surviving as a member as a 18 year old kid in a highly competitive league. He's just worried yeah. about keeping his head above water. But now when he can go to an NBA program and solely focus on, you know, knowing that he needs to reform his jump shot, given everything else that he has going for him. I think if you're the Pistons, that's a risk that you have to accept. Mm-hmm. Let's get we'll to the juicy the one. <laughs> Let's get to the juicy one. Uh, Ethan, you have the Knicks taking Killian Hayes out of France mm-hmm. uh, with eight. I don't think they don't take Obi here. Um, I don't think Obi makes sense. I, well, the way I look at the Knicks, Knicks here, the way I, yeah, let's keep that in mind. The Knicks are not, like I said, the Knicks aren't going to get this pick right. No matter what happens. Yeah. The thing about, and I like Obi a lot as a player, but if the Knicks view Mitchell Robinson as like their folk, one of their focal points, which I think they should, I, I think it's Mitchell Robinson and RJ Barrett. Obi doesn't make a lot of sense. I think the thing with Obi, um, he can shoot from outside. Um, that's the thing. He that's can not his space. game, though. That's it's not, not his game. It's not his game. You're and right. It's not really what you want him to be doing. Like, you want to put him you're in a three. You're a three slash four 
You can shoot from outside. Is he a three slash four? Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. The three. That's the problem with him. Um, he's got that tweener body, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to him in a couple of picks. Uh, Killian Hayes, um, Kevin O'Connor has him the top of his big board, which um, makes zero sense to me, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready for him to be number one and not go number one, but number well, one, I don't even board. know like how Kevin O'Connor like gets connects those dots to make Killian Hayes, his top player in the draft. That just doesn't, that doesn't connect for me. I think I think I definitely see where he's coming from, especially on Hayes' ability to create for others. Like his like of Dia, his shooting isn't there quite yet. But he, like like we pointed out in the last one in our last talk about Dia, his free throw percentages are there. His ability to create space and get his shot off from behind the arc is there. So once he gets it actually to start landing, I think he rounds out his scoring profile. Right now, he's able to get what he wants near the rim, and he's be able to create for others. And I think for the Knicks, they need a they desperately need a point guard. Yeah. Really. I, I mean, jokingly, jokingly, I said to Matias earlier, I really didn't want to take another French guard who, you know, fans have to be patient on. Well, if it's but anything, I do actually, I like Killian Hayes a lot more than I like Milikina coming out. If it's, if it's any, well, I, I think, I think Killian Hayes was born in Florida. I thought, I thought he was, bo- I think he was, I think he's, he's not American, American. He went played overseas, like his dad yeah. played in Europe or something. Huh. Yeah. So if that's any consolation to you. <laughs> Again, um, mostly joking yeah. there, but I do actually like this pick a lot for the Knicks. That's why I don't like Obi. Is the Knicks mm-hmm. so obviously need a, a point guard? And I think RJ take- Barrett later down the line can effectively run an offense, but clearly he's not there yet. And I yeah. think at this point in his career, having a guy who's going to feed him the ball and get him take just a little bit of that offensive load off of his shoulders, I think that's really good for the Knicks. Mm-hmm. I think if they come out of this with knowing that and that they're, the future of their team is built around Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Barrett, and Killian Hayes. At least that gives you an identity. That's three yeah. good young pieces that you can build around. You can figure like the rest of this complementary pieces out later. You can have Kevin Knox, but you are never I, I, going I, I, to be, Kevin Knox is like an off-the-bench guy I don't mind. Kevin Knox is a starter yeah. I don't want right now. But You're not going to win if your backcourt is relying on Frankie Nicotine and Dennis Smith Jr. <laughs> I have not heard that one. That's good. It's not going to work. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely using that I on think, the show the rest of the way. Wow. I think we talk about shot creation with Killian Hayes. Um, you know, in, in his latest video, Kevin O'Connor, you know, said his footwork looks like James Harden. And I think we got to we got we got to take a step we got to take a step back here but but his ability to create a shot behind the arc sidestep step back is elite footwork already elite um i think the promise is certainly there if he can if he shot 28 28% from behind the arc and then 86% from the line like yeah. we talked about if he can bump that up to he's also 33 18. 30 34% again yeah 18 years old i think this is someone that has one of the highest upsides in this draft. I agree. Yeah. Apparently, Nick Kevin O'Connor agrees with us too. If he's the number one guy on his big board, but Knicks fans are notoriously patient and known for not jumping oh, yeah. to reaction. So <laughs> well, I'd like to think I'm. I'd like to think personally, I'm more patient than most Knicks fans, just because I've it's not saying much. Not saying much, but I, I've accepted the fact oh. that the Knicks are going to mess this up. Like the Knicks yeah. are not going to be good until they like actually are. I'm not going to believe the Knicks are good until they're like in the finals, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, at number nine, the Wizards, Isaac Okoro. This is the type of player that if it works out for him on offense, we're going to be like, how the hell did he drop to nine? Um, but that's a knock on him. Uh, I, I put as his pros, 
maybe the best defender in the class. A lot of people seem to think that. Um, high IQ, shown some promise as a creator, as a straight line creator, you know, off of a, off of a closeout. He's a good finisher. He can pass. His cons. It's not that he has a broken jump shot. He doesn't shoot. Um, and, you know, the knock on him a lot of times in film when they close out on him and he has an open, he's a wide open three, he'll pass it up to someone or he'll drive right into the teeth of the defense where there are yeah. defenders. And that's, that's worrisome. But if you're looking for a shutdown wing slash forward defender, he's your guy. I think you're spot on with that. And the Wizards with what they need is, is defense. They were one of the best offenses in the league last year. You know, Davis Bertans miss him so much. Um, <laughs> John Wall coming back, Rui Hachimura. They have guys who can score. They just, you know, they were like Swiss cheese on defense. They, they, gave, up, they gave the second, gave up the second most points in the league and they can't keep doing that. So yeah, there, there are worries about Okoro's offensive game, but like we touched on his, Ability to attack, close out, to drive and create. If he's dishing it out to Bertans and Beal and even to an extent Hachimura, who have that kind of gravity to pull players off of them, I don't know if him driving into the teeth of the defense is going to be such a, a big deal. And even if he never develops into an incredible offensive player or even a slightly above average offensive player, mm -hmm. his defensive impact is so great and so needed for Washington that I don't see how they don't make this pick. I think as long as he develops into just like a league average three-point shooter, he profiles as a guy that's a starter on almost any team in the league, an elite defender who can knock down the open three. I mean, that's perfect for any team in the league. Yeah. Andre Roberson was able to find a role and be a starter on the Oklahoma City Thunder while being a historically bad three-point shooter because he was elite on defense. And I don't understand. I think Okoro can have a similar impact. And I think the odds of him being a Andre Roberson level offensive player are pretty low, given that he can already do a little bit more off the bounce than Roberson yeah. ever did. Yeah. Low bar. That's Admittedly low bar to yeah. be better offensively yeah. than Andre Roberson. But I, I, I agree with your pick here. Uh, we'll move to 10. That's where we have Obi going uh, from Dayton, going to the Suns. Now the Suns mm -hmm. just traded for CP3. I think this is this is the fit. Right it makes here. even more sense now that they got yeah. CP3. Uh, a lot mm -hmm. of a lot of people said the Suns needed you know a backcourt mate for Devin Booker. Obviously, no longer the case. Imagine CP3 and you know Devin Booker to a lesser extent throwing up lobs to Obi. Uh, they can figure something out on defense with them. That's kind of the issue um, offensively this is as surefire as it gets in the draft. Yeah. DeAndre Ayton has made improvements as a defender. And I think if you're Phoenix, if everything shakes out the way you hope it does, this is the last time you're picking in the lottery for the next half decade. Yeah. You know, so you need to make it count. His pro comp has always been Amari Stoudemire. It's a pretty seamless fit. You can get almost like the second iteration of that seven seconds or less sun's offense yeah. between mm -hmm. Booker CP3, Poppin, and Aiton. That's a really, really potent offense. And that's I think a if hell of a start. Just like I'm thinking about it here, like that's a hell of a starting four. It's four of your five. Yeah. Like, that's and the scary. thing is, they have the versatility where if they're getting blown out of a game and it's not working right away and they need to somebody sub somebody in, they have Cameron Johnson and Mikhail Bridges who can get thrown in there, who are both elite defenders in their own right. And stretch the floor this gives them options it's a backup center when Aiden sits it's a starting power forward if you want to play him together he's incredible in pick and roll now playing with one of 
if not the best pick and roll point guard the league has ever point seen. Point God himself. Like, yeah, I think this is a seamless fit. And I think the Phoenix Suns are going to come out of this as a dark horse to be a pretty high seed in the Western Conference next year. I guess my only concern with the with Toppin on the Suns, I don't love the fit offensively with Aiton and Toppin, considering they're both not really perimeter shooters at this well, point in the their thing. career. Admittedly. That's the thing. Aiton did show flashes at the very end that he flashes at yeah. the end in the bubble. Right. Like I'm not, don't I'm not forget Aiton also missed like 25 games last season. Yeah. I'm too. saying look based on what yeah. we currently know about Deandre Aiton, he's not a perimeter shooter. That's not part of his yeah. game yet. But I think Toppin has shown potential there where it's definitely something that he's going to need to continue to work on. So I don't know if he's there. He's probably not starting for them right away. I think they still probably put Cam Johnson Cameron Johnson as their starting mm-hmm. power forward. That's most likely how this shakes out. But there's going to be lineups where you have the flexibility to play him with Aiden. You can play him as your starting center. I think this is a great fit for them. And, you know, maybe they don't end up – it doesn't end up working where him and Aiden can share the floor all the time, but they will be able to do it in stretches. And in those moments, I think they're going to be incredibly effective. Yeah. It's so funny because last year when they took Cam Johnson, you know, a lot higher than everyone thought. Cam Johnson was 21, 22 when they took them. And everyone was like, what are you doing? You're taking someone so old. Toppin's 22 years old. He was the best player in college basketball last season, but he's 22 years old. And you're talking about now a guy that if you fit them, fit him in with Chris Paul, which he's gotten some flack over the years with, is he a good teammate or not? I think he probably still is. He's one of those guys that is going to push you, but you'd rather play with him. Exactly. Um, you'd rather play with him than against them. Yeah. Uh, this is someone who maybe he can't start immediately or they don't want to start him immediately. They, but again, they don't, need, be ready they don't need him to be like a, a, an, an impactful starter right out the gate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll move to 11. Uh, I'll let you take the lead here, Ethan, uh, with the Spurs. Devin Vassell, <sighs> Florida State. Cool. I remember when it must have um, might have been a couple of weeks ago where we thought Vassell would be the first Florida State player off the board. Yeah. I'm like, oh, if we're lucky, we can have Patrick Williams follow us. And now it's the complete flip. They basically trade spots. And it's like, well, the guy we were all high on for basically the entire year might just fall right into our laps. And I think Vassell would be an excellent pick here. But I've been hearing more and more buzz about Sadiq B as a fit, as their as their choice here. And I between the two, I don't know if you can really go wrong. I think. Sadiq B, I don't know if I would call him necessarily bust-proof in that same level as Okongwu, but he's rock solid. I think him and Vassell offer a lot of the same, you know, attributes. Um, consistent three-point shooters, versatile defenders, uh, have a little bit of creation ability in their, on their own, and fit a huge area of need for the Spurs, which is, you know, positional versatility outside on the wing. Because outside of Keldon Johnson, who showed immense potential in the bubble mm-hmm. – they don't really have anybody else who can, you know, fill up that hole on the wing. They got Rudy Gay for now, but he's entering yeah. the last year of his contract. And I think he's no, you, you don't really want to be at this point. You don't want to be counting on significant minutes from Rudy Gay. Yeah, like you're trying yeah, to compete. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's not going to be there forever. You got to start thinking about the next decade. And I think the seller B is the pick here. Yeah. I mean, you the one about thing that stands Olympic. out to Go the on. one thing I was going to say about Sadiq B, he strikes me as like the prototypical spur. Everything mm-hmm. he does, everything I read about him, great team defender, great teammate, great shooter, great wingspan, mm-hmm. not like a super flashy athlete, but not really lacking in that department. To me, he just screams future spur. And here's what it comes down to between the two here is that if if B is their guy, I think they can trade back, pick up a second end of the, or an end of the bench player and still have a shot at getting him. If they want to sell, they have to take him now or he mm-hmm. will be gone. Unless, yeah. even if they trade with the Kings, 
who knows? The Kings might take him. But I, I don't think – I think Vassell has a lot lower chance of being on the board later in the draft where they still have that kind of flexibility with B, where I think he could still be there at 15, 16 if they can add another asset to move down there and still feel comfortable that they're going to have a shot at grabbing their man, I think that's a decision that they're going to have to really think about. You don't I mean, think that don't... would be getting a little bit too cute if you're the Spurs? I assume if the Spurs are looking at B as like their guy, you don't think that's getting a little bit too cute trying to trade back for a late second rounder? I, it could be. That's that's a fair point. It, they might be over. It could be overthinking it. But, you know, this is a team that, I mean, as much as I want to believe in them, we're not – we might not even make the playoffs next year. You need to start adding. I would bet against it, honestly. In the West right now. Pieces, and I think you have to at least be open-minded about exploring every avenue that they do that there. You talk I, about, I talk about the Knicks assuredly not getting the pick right. If there's a team I trust implicitly to get the pick right, it would be the Spurs. I mm-hmm. think the problem, the the only problem, and then we'll, we'll start moving on, um, with uh, kind of trading back just to get B, um, is the team that's picking at 13, which obviously we're not going to skip the Kings at 12, but the Pelicans at 13, they need Perfect. a point guard, but they also need, they need a defensive stopper. Um, mm-hmm. Vassell and B are both there. They can both do that. The only thing, you know, we've seen the video on for Vassell. We, we know there's a little bit of funky mechanics there, but if I trust anyone to figure that out, it's the Spurs. And you're also still talking about a guy that for three years straight, shot 40% from beyond the arc. Yeah. And I think he came out and refuted that saying like, Oh, it was just at the end of the end of my workout. I was just screwing around. I don't know if that's how true I'll take him at his word. I think his agent probably like hit him up and be like, Hey, you got, <laughs> a, lot of, you got a lot of people worried. How about we, uh, how about we nip this in the butt real quick. But yeah. um, I think if, if they choose, have to choose between Vassell and B, I don't, I think that's a, that's a good position to be in. I'm very yeah. happy with whatever they walk away with this with. Uh-huh. Uh, we're almost at the end of the, uh, at, at the end of the lottery. So we'll run through these quick. Cause we have a couple other picks and then we want to just real quick talk about the trades that have gone down. Uh, Alexei Pokashevsky, uh, going at 12 nice. to the Kings. Um, thank you. Uh, let's see. So for my pros and cons for my pros, I have that he's a goddamn unicorn. He's <laughs> seven feet tall. He can shoot and he can handle the ball. My cons for him is that he's a goddamn unicorn <laughs> and we've seen it work out and we've seen it. Have we seen it work out? out? Have we seen it work out? I'd say Jokic is a unicorn. Not so I much. Know, we're talking about the original unicorn who I don't even yeah. want to mention. It didn't work out. I'm serious. All the concerns about KP being just too damn big to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Here he is missing the start of another season. I, mean, I think, I think he's skinnier. I think Pokashevsky is like seven, one and less than 200 yeah. pounds. He's also a kid. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think – I'm not even going to try that pronunciation of the last name. Credit to you for having the, the song to go for it. But Poku, you know, the Kings, they had a little bit of relevancy there where they're like, hey, maybe the Kings will make the playoffs. Nope, they are right back to being the Kings that we all know, and they need to take a risk. They don't have Bongdanovich. Buddy Heald doesn't want to be there. They declined Harry Giles' option, which I'll never understand. They need and to take Aaron a risk. Aaron Fox is really fast, though, right? Yeah, but outside of that, what what do they have? They don't have anything, and you're kind of backed into a corner where it's like, if you need a def- a, a difference maker, you're banking on Poku being that guy. And yeah, maybe he doesn't ever amount to being anything. Maybe he's injury prone and he can't last an 82 game season, or maybe he builds out his body. He gives you a seven foot perimeter shooter who can also you know be a playmaker from the high post. He has that potential in him. 
And if you're the Kings, I don't think you have a path back to relevancy that doesn't involve taking pretty considerable risks. Yeah. And, but he seems to me like the type of guy, who, or at least of anyone in this class, the most likely to not sniff the NBA floor of the season, spend the whole season in the G League. Yeah, and no. I guess the Kings, especially now they got rid of Boyan, like you might as well just work on player development at this point. Yeah, no, you're parking him in the G League. You're trying to get him to eat like 70,000 calories a day. <laughs> yeah. You're just, you know, trying to get through the season, bank on a big pick in 2021, see how Poku I, does. I would, I would assume the Kings think- are going to be picking pretty high next season. They need them. Mm-hmm. They need them on like the mountain from uh from Game of Thrones. They need them on like yeah. that diet. I don't like the Michael Phelps Olympic diet where you're eating like twelve eggs for breakfast every yeah. day. Like, he's got to put some meat on his bones. Um, we'll move on to the next one. Got a couple picks left here. Uh, Kira Lewis Jr., a player that you really like, uh, mm-hmm. right now mocked to go to the Pelicans at thirteen. After trading Drew Holiday, they need a point guard. Kira Lewis, probably the quickest player in the draft. I mean, simply put, he's a bucket getter. He's your lead guard. The question is, physicality-wise, can he keep up in the NBA? I, I had this pick before Drew Holiday got traded. I like it even more now because Eric Bledsoe and George Hill are not your long-term answers there. Mm-hmm. I, frankly, am pretty low on the chances of George Hill finishing the season there. I think they probably trade him to a contender who needs Prime better candidate to end up on a, I don't know, a Lakers team maybe if Rondo ends up leaving. Like, that, that's yeah. speculation, but we'll get it that later. Is going to go out and get George Hill. The Pelicans, they have Josh Harden, they have Lonzo Ball, but they they can use more point guards as it is. I think Kira Lewis has immense potential, and I think this is a perfect fit for him. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's that was pretty simple. Can't huh? say much about Nothing that. Else. <laughs> um, and then we'll round it out. Uh, Tyrese Maxey from Kentucky at fourteen with the Celtics. Now, if there's a team that's not going to keep their picks, it's the Celtics. I don't know mm-hmm. what they're going to do. Um, and then Zach Lowe reported today that. They're talking with Gordon Hayward to um, or to they extend. extended they extended the deadline already. It's not yeah, they, ex- they they extended the deadline to Thursday for like his thirty-two million dollar player option. Well, they that doesn't scream trader Danny is cooking yeah. something up. Like yeah. you gotta open your eyes. Yeah. Where do the where do the Celtics trade up to? I don't know. They might try to take one of those bigs that we talked about at two or three. I don't know what the price would be there. Um, but that's that's what they need. Um, tell me what you like about Maxi. I think, well, first off, I think if the Celtics do make a move, I don't think it necessarily involves them moving up. I think they're trying to package three of these picks together, ship them off. I think Utah and Rudy Gobert are a prime candidate to try and, you know, send Gordon Hayward back there with three first-round picks attached, give Utah a kind of a little bit of a moderate reset there. Um, frankly, I like Maxi either way, whether he hypothetically ends up on the Jazz or ends up slotting behind Kemba Walker and Marcus Smart as a backup point guard with a Celtics. That's a great spot for him as well. Yeah. I think he fits really well with either one. Um, this guy is a junkyard dog. He has got a motor. He People call him an undersized two guard. He fights like he is the biggest dog in the battle. He, ha- he will go at you 110%. I think he's got that same kind of Marcus Smart mean streak in him. His outside shot isn't so much there. Um, you know, you worry a little bit about his ability to run an offense, uh, but I think he can finish around the rim in a variety of different ways. They've already got proven scorers with Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. I think this is a pretty safe pick for the Celtics to make if they need to roll with it. But like you said, I don't, I don't see this. I don't see whoever goes here. I don't see him ending up in Boston. I think Trader Danny, three first-round picks, and a guy in Gordon Hayward who clearly doesn't want to be there. There's something up. Yeah, absolutely. I I can't imagine that that stays in Boston. 
Um, and who knows? I mean, maybe since we've started recording, like, you know, I don't know, maybe James Harden got traded to like the Kings or something. Right? Well, the only I, thing I, I've seen since we started recording actually is the Rockets and Wizards are talking about a Russ and John Wall deal. Oh, oh God. God. Oh, yeah. God. Just so swap. Cool inefficient two point players, guards like sure go for it I, I don't know what you think about that ethan but two players that on this show constantly we have talked about who the hell would want them right yeah. like contract wise and player wise <laughs> i can't wait for the knicks to get involved in that deal Ugh. somehow oh boy <laughs> so that uh that rounds out our um our lottery let's get into some relevant picks um we have houston now at 16 portland was there but then they traded uh, for Robert Covington. Originally, you had Cole Anthony from UNC going there. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a Houston team that, as of 24 hours ago, wasn't going to participate in the draft, and now all of a sudden they have a the 16 overall pick. You got any idea who you want there? If it's not Cole Anthony, um, I don't see it being Cole Anthony. Here, you know, they just traded away Robert Covington. Mm-hmm. Um, there's rumors that PJ Tucker is incredibly unhappy with his contract yeah. situation. Uh, so I think they have to start looking down the line at who's going to be the next one who starts the next player to start fill that, filling that role for them. I think Precious Achua makes sense here. Um, I could also see them going for a little bit of, you know, more three-point shooting and adding Aaron Nes- Nesmith, who mm-hmm. absolute flamethrower from behind the arc. I understand that doesn't maybe really do much else, but yeah, maybe that's not the kind of style of play that they're trying to go with, but if they're kind of married to the Mori ball, whether Daryl is there or not, Nesmith fills that area for him. Um, yeah. But with Houston, they're just here. I truly haven't given too much thought to this pick, but it, it needs to be a wing. Um, ideally who can fill uh, Robert Covington's spot. Perfect, a perfect fit here if he somehow makes it this long, and I don't think he does. Sadiq B. Houston's just the biggest question mark of the whole offseason. If they yeah. trade hard and they could literally do anything with this pick because they're going to be blowing it up. They might end up with the number one overall pick. I mean, yeah, that's been in question. Um, yeah, I, I really like Achua there, and I like uh, I like Nesmith. I think for Achua, I kind of talked myself out of him for a while. I like what he brings, and he has question marks. Um, well, honestly, let's we'll, we'll get to him in a second. Uh, I won't get too ahead of myself there. Um, at 18, you had Nesmith going to the Mavs. I really like that pick. We talked about him a little bit. Guy shot 53% from beyond the arc. Is he your number one shooter in this draft? I don't know if he's necessarily my number one shooter because that percentage comes from a pretty, I think it's like 14 games in his sophomore yeah, season. Yeah, he got hurt. Before, yeah. you know, I would have liked to see that get stretched out over an entire year, see how he does, but there's no denying that the guy can shoot it. Mm-hmm. Um, what degree? Not, in, not entirely sure, but he is an elite shooter. And you have an MVP caliber talent in Luka Doncic. All you have to do now is surround him with talent. Hopefully it works out. But I think Nesmith makes sense here. But I think there's another consideration is that um, Dwight Powell coming off a torn Achilles. Oh, right. I was even thinking about that. Like you said, Ben, AP starting the season injured. Lower body problems have always been there for him. I think they have to start thinking about maybe we take a big man here. And if they're going big man, this isn't this isn't like exactly the most big man heavy part of the draft. I think that you could get solid big men later in the later in the round. But Isaiah Stewart from Washington could be a great fit here as well. People knock him on his game because he doesn't stretch the floor, which, you know, is obviously a a pretty important part 
of being a big man in today's NBA, but his coach just came out and just gave him a ringing endorsement. I know this is just coach speak. Yeah, any, every, any coach endorsement, I'm like, okay, yeah, you want your guy to go higher so you get some nice publicity. With this guy, if, if you're comfortable with him not being a floor spacing threat, he does everything else that you can want inside. Yeah. He is absolute. He's a refri- He's the size of an industrial refrigerator. <laughs> he's an absolute bully. He will have no problem handling the physicality of the NBA, and he gives them a very consistent option down low, which given the, all the injuries that they have, they could, they could really use right now. Yeah. Um, and the question with him is just, what is his, What is a ceiling for a non-shooter in today's NBA? Yeah. He, he projects as like a, a good bench piece, but also we're talking about, you know, late teens, early twenties at this point, you're not necessarily yeah. expecting yeah. to get a, a stone cold stud here. And you fill up the rest of the roster with shooters, you know, have high pick and roll with Doncic and Stewart surrounded by three shooting options. That's a, that's a pretty potent offense. And it's yeah. not like this offense needs to get better. They're the best yeah. offense in NBA well, history. Right? In case we forgot, Luka Doncic is only going to get better, which is the terrifying thing. Yeah, no, I think they don't. They shouldn't be picking 18. I think they're a lot better than the average team that you see picking 18th on yeah. any given year. Whether they want to shore up their front court or give Luka another option, I think those are the two routes that they choose. I don't think they can go wrong either way. Yeah. Um, I, I put 19 in there. You had Josh Green going from Arizona. I think he's going to end up being a solid player. I, there, there isn't really that upside to him. Um, if he can figure out, you know, creating off the dribble, he can put some things together. But it's mostly I put it there because it is the Nets. It's a team that's bringing back Kyrie and KD and their pick. And James Harden. And potentially <laughs> at 19, what do you think they go for there? You think they still go green? I think green's a great fit here. You know, he, he's like you said, he's not, he's not a creator. He's not going to get his own shot, but – He's a tremendous athlete, one of the best athletes in this class, can absolutely jump out of the gym. He flies up and down the court, plays really hard, consistent defense, and he knocks down open threes. They have shot creators outside of Kyrie and KD, and, you know, who knows? I don't think they keep this pick if they get James Harden, so we won't even discuss that. But Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie, too, they have guys who can create shots. They don't need any more of that. What they need is someone who can complement those players, play off of them, hit open threes and give you a defensive punch. That's Josh Green. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing with him too, and I, this was literally just what I read is that he, you know, adapted very well to his role in Arizona. He absolutely knew what his role was. If you're going to the nets, that is, that has to be a requirement. You know what you got to do there. Mm -hmm. Um, Another player we had mentioned, Achua from Memphis who filled in for Wiseman after he was, for whatever reason, he didn't play. Um, we, we know all the NCAA uh, protocol stuff that happened there. Going to Denver at 22, I, I still think he's off the board before this, but I, I love this pick for Denver if he's still there. I, I talked myself out of him a little bit. I like him if you can figure out a role for him and if he fits the team well. I think he gives them a, a little added button bite of physicality that they need, which, you know, Jokic is never going to give you that. I think there's a world where those two could play together. Um, really? Him and, yeah, Jokic as a floor spacer, you can afford yeah. Achua the, the little bit of the room that he needs to operate down low. I think there's definitely a, a world where those two can share the floor, even if they don't, you know, as terms of like an energetic Montrez Harrell kind of, you know, backup big man, that's a great addition for the Nuggets. And, you know, like the Mavericks, they don't need a whole lot. 
they got everything. They have all the players that they need to be a successful team. Michael Porter Jr., he's only going to continue to improve as a player. Jamal Murray, elite scorer. And, yeah, one of the best big men in the game in Jokic. If you can just add a energetic, physical big man in Achua, complement those guys, I think you take that, take your take your W and keep on moving. Yeah. Uh, the thing with Achua, too, is he's a very good rim protector, like we talked about. He can play kind of that off-ball role. For if Jokic gets caught in a switch and, you know, Jokic is not the most nimble on his feet. We saw that no. he's, he's a good team defender. Um, but we saw that one-on-one on the perimeter, he's not going to be able to keep up. Um, and Achua can, you know, give them that protection down low. It's just, can he keep up on the perimeter uh, lateral quickness wise? And that was a big hole for them. And like a, a big reason that they weren't able to make it further in the playoffs is because when they put Paul Millsap out there for all of yeah. the crafty shot making ability that Millsap has, he just doesn't have much gas left in his legs. He just couldn't yeah. keep up. So if you're willing to trade off a little bit of that veteran experience for someone who can give you, you know, a shot of caffeine in the ass and just like keep your team moving, a choose your guy. Mm-hmm. A couple more 23 have Jaden McDaniels, from Washington going to the jazz. This is a player that had been, has been kind of rumored to the Spurs for the last like week. Uh, this is an elite shot creator. The consistency is the big question for him. I, if, if I swear to God, if the Spurs take Jaden, <laughs> I will lose my shit. I, yeah, I, I think we can, uh, we can agree with so that. I think he's got a sky high ceiling, but this guy, and I, I started watching, tapes of this guy like even before he went to Washington some of it something popped up on like a Twitter feed and I caught my attention I was like holy cow mm-hmm. this guy looked exactly like that high school mixtape of what you saw of Michael Porter Jr. just mm-hmm. rangy long forwards who love to pull up and just smack junk jumpers in your face he's got a really good handle for his size the only question is like one his frame he's still incredibly skinny so outside of like pulling up and nailing jumpers over people Will he ever be able to finish inside? And two, is he ever going to play much defense? It doesn't seem like that's something that he's very interested in doing right now. And and going back to the to his you know his frame itself, he doesn't have the physicality to hang with NBA wings or big men right now. And I think all in the world, but I don't know if he ever reaches it. I think you're on to something with the Michael Porter, not as the MPJ comparison, because obviously Michael Porter Jr. was a top prospect yeah, before his back injury was probably going to go top two, top three overall, if not first overall. Mm-hmm. But he's, I think he's entering a similar situation with the Jazz. I, again, like you said, the, you know, Gobert might be on the move. The Jazz might be shaking up that roster. But he's going to get into a position if he ends up going to the Jazz where all he has to do is score, is come off the bench, play 12, 15 minutes a night, maybe even less early on if his frame is really going to hinder him that much. It seems like the type of role where he can, he can come into the NBA with very little pressure around him and just kind of work on improving his craft, working on the fine things and polishing himself as a prospect. And that's why I think this pick makes so much sense for Utah is because I think what we saw them do this year is about all they're going to accomplish with the current construction of this team. They need somebody else who's going to be that deciding factor that takes them over the edge. And you have to be banking on, you know, we're going to accept the risk that comes with drafting someone like Jaden McDaniels and hope that he is that very impactful offensive player that we need. We talked about it with Boston. You know, maybe they trade Gobert, get Hayward and three first back. That gives them another full reset. But still, they need an additional offensive option besides Donovan Mitchell. He scored 50 points twice in the playoffs. He's not going to do that every year. You need to get him. Come on. He's not going to do that every year. He needs help. And for better or worse, Jaden McDaniels can be that help as an incredible offensive talent. Mm -hmm. 
Um, we have four players on the list, but we are running out of time. So one sentence real quick on the four we have left that we can't do this mock draft without. Uh, first one, RJ Hampton has been a huge faller out of the New Zealand breakers. What do you think about him? Uh, we kind of touched on this at the beginning outside of his athleticism and kind of the untapped potential that he has. I don't really see it. Um, I'll be honest. I didn't watch too much New Zealand basketball this year. So. You didn't? Why not, Ethan? I thought you were a basketball writer. Come on. Time difference. Time difference, man. I got to <laughs> right, right. Gotta get my beauty sleep. Um, but I think, you know, Hampton's got potential. People were talking about him as a top 10 pick. Maybe the talent level is still there, but there's so many question marks that I just don't see him going as high as people once had him going. And he's the got first, a- though. I mean, you might as well. Yeah, and the first potential is there if you believe in your development staff and you have a little bit of a hole at the at the guard position. Take a shot. Why not? Exactly. Uh, in the mock, he was going 27th to the Knicks. Good work. Uh, other players, uh, Tyrell Terry from Stanford. What do you think about him? Tyrell Terry, he uh, played at De La Salle High School here in Minneapolis. So hey, pretty high. I had him going to the Orlando Magic, I, oh. I believe, at 15, which I think – that that pick makes a lot of sense. Markel Fultz, you know, their backcourt's been in flux for forever. The best point guard that they've had for the past decade is DJ Augustine, which all the respect in the world <laughs> is DJ. Shelvin Mack? Come on. But, I mean, come on, all respect to those two players, if those are the best two point guard, point guard options you've had over the past 10 years, that says a lot about the state of your franchise. Yeah. yeah. I think he and Markel Fultz could be a very interesting possibility. Tyrell Terry, obviously the slights on him are his frame. He's like 6'1", maybe – buck 75 buck 80 soaking wet it's something that he's working on he's packed on muscle but I, for a guy that size how, what, what's he gonna get to 210 like maybe he, maybe yeah maybe. he's always always gonna be undersized but you play him with a, a, a more sizable combo guard with markel fultz maybe you can make it work the guy is an elite shot maker you watch I him play, really like it you watch him play and it looks like and he even he admitted himself he studied tape of Steph Curry to try and figure out how to weave between screens and reposition when he doesn't have the ball. It, it shows up right away in his game tape. He's a he, the way he curls around a screen, catch and release, jump, fire. It's a thing of art. I think he can be an elite shot maker at the next level. The questions will always just be about his defense. But if teams like the Atlanta Hawks are willing to build around Trey Young and accept you know his small size and his defensive shortcomings, I don't see why Tyrell Terry can't be in that same kind of category. I actually yeah. just looked it up. He was listed at a buck sixty at Stanford. Oof. Yeah, I think he's up to like one seventy five now. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, Jalen Smith out of Maryland. A lot of people like his upside too. I like him a lot. I think he offers you a lot. Uh, kind of like what we've seen with you know out of Bam out of Bio, kind of uh, breaking the mold of big men. I think people see a lot of you know eighty five percent of him here with Jalen Smith. You know he, he makes shots from the outside. Um, thing with him is lower body strength you look at his legs incredibly skinny he's gonna get moved around a bit he's got a strong upper body frame but a higher center of gravity and you know his lateral agility isn't that great i think he gives you a pretty potent inside out scoring option defense could be an issue but you know he has the size and the scoring profile that you want from a modern big man i think you're going to find somebody in the mid-20s who's willing to take a shot at getting 85 percent of bam at you know a fraction of the car Wow. Making some big statements. I like it. <laughs> and uh, last player before we get into the uh, the trades. Got to go with my boy, Leandro oh, Bolmaro. My boy, Argentinian, played in Barcelona. He's your classic European type point guard, oversized, yeah. very crafty, Mono Ginobili type of guy. I knew that was coming. <laughs> 
it's 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 and that's why it's i don't uncanny. love comparisons because it's just it's right there it's just yeah. sitting to be made but um, i haven't watched too much tape on him i don't know a ton about him uh i didn't write the scouting article that we had for him at air almost somebody else did is he even going to come over and play right away well, that's or is the thing. He- he's probably not so a team like the celtics for example that can stash someone that can afford to stash someone like that it's not a bad move yeah, I know the Raiders' most recent mock, they had him going to the Celtics. And yeah, it, it just makes too much sense. Like, just not even necessarily the Celtics, but him going to a contender that doesn't need him to contribute at all this year, maybe not even next year. You let him work on his game, and then he comes over. And I'm not saying he's going to become a, you know, maybe not even a starter, but it becomes a solid, like, you know, secondary, tertiary playmaker off the bench. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, supersized point guard with, you know, transcendent passing ability. If you can afford to wait for a little bit, yeah, take a shot. Not bad. Okay, we got about 15 minutes left, and we have three trades to get to. Uh, so we'll start with the big one. This is the one that got Drew Holiday over to the Bucks uh, for Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, uh, the 24th pick in this draft, uh, 2024 swap, 2025 first unprotected, 2026 swap, and a 2027 first unprotected. Okay, now I can bring <laughs> um, That is a hell of a haul for yeah. Drew Holiday, who is a good player and a I'm great Very player. good player. I yeah. love Drew okay. Holiday. I very love this trade. Player. Is three firsts an absolute load to give up for Drew mm-hmm. Holiday? Yeah, but if that's the move you have to make to keep Giannis in Milwaukee, you do it every yeah. single time when you sleep. Hey, like a baby. Let's give some context to those picks. If you're the Bucks, those picks were probably going to be back end of the mm-hmm. first round anyway ideally yeah. you know, 28 to 30 and i don't know if this is a little bit uh speaking to milwaukee's self-awareness look at who they've drafted over the past five years they haven't exactly hidden home runs like between mm-hmm. vaughn dj wilson thon maker dante divincenzo if dante divincenzo is the gem of your yeah. draft ability over the past five years i think that says a lot they haven't proven that they can identify and develop talent internally and if you I can think of more, one exception, but yeah, one guy, but that was 2015. <laughs> so outside of the five-year window range, one in a million shot. Recently, they haven't shown that they can do it. And there's a zero percent chance that you know they made these moves and the move to acquire Bogdanovich from Sacramento without Giannis signing off on them. So yeah, no, obviously Giannis is fully aware and argue probably I don't think he's quite a you know LeBron GM status, but Obviously, he's. I, I'd say obviously, it would make all the sense in the world for the Bucks to be talking to their superstar player about these type of moves. But they're moves that f- make all the sense in the world. Like if that's what you have to do to to keep the reigning MV, the reigning MVP and defensive player of the year in your city, yeah. you have to do that's it. All that matters. That's all that matters. Then. And a couple a couple thoughts uh, that I had from the Pelican side for this, um, because you might not even be using these picks. I mean, you have so many picks at this point. Um, uh, I'll read them off what they have in the next couple of years. In 2020, they have the 13th and 24th pick. In 2021, they have their own and the LA's 8 to 30 protected pick. It's unprotected in 2022. They have their own in 22. In 23, they have their own and the Lakers unprotected. And I'm not going to keep going because they have about six more picks over the next three years. For the Pelicans, they have a huge treasure chest they can ship off to someone if they want another piece, if things really start working out this year. And also... What I like with the years that they did with this, because say Giannis stays, right? Say he stays mm-hmm. is all obviously all worth it for the Bucks. But say he, in four years, he hasn't won a championship and he says, all right, you know, I've had enough. I want to leave. 
in four years, you're in 2024, 25. That's when these unprotected picks in 25 yep. and 27 start going into effect with the Pelicans. This is a win-win, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I think this was a, 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 a trade Milwaukee needed to make. And in terms of uh, grabbing the highest value possible, an absolute masterclass by David Griffin. A much better. Man. I like this trade a lot more than any CP3 trade for the Bucks as well. Because CP3 was only ever going to be a rental. Your Drew is presumably well, part of your future. Well, yeah. if Drew resigns. I'd say I, I would assume again so. based on the uh, yeah. idea, the crazy idea that the Bucks, you know, are competing for an NBA title again this season. I would imagine yeah. Drew resigns. You want to play with Giannis? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the big thing too, uh, it's hilarious because I don't, I don't know, I don't know what role Giannis had in this, but the report came out that obviously he approved it, and there's no shot that it wasn't run by him before. I love, yeah. I love how, how much. David Griffin has been able to fleece the two player GMs in Giannis and LeBron. I mean, that's with the AD trade. And now with this Drew trade, they have gotten an absolute haul. That future is so bright. And it really looks like the rare win-win trade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one that we've kind of talked about is for Bogdanovich, who is a great shooter and really underrated just because a lot of people don't watch Kings basketball. Um, mm-hmm. The King, the Bucks sent away DiVincenzo, Ilyasova, and DJ Wilson. They don't give up a lot. The salaries work out there, obviously, because it's a sign and trade. It's really going to come down to the Bucks. Is you got to find you know minimum guys to round out that roster. But this is a team that had to make moves, and they had their back against the wall, and they went out and they got shit done. Yeah, and Bogdanovich, he he made incredibly clutch shots during his time yeah. in Europe. Like this is a guy who hasn't just like spent his career languishing away on the Kings. And unfortunately most people don't know about the damage that he's done in Europe, but he's, he's won championships at varying degrees and different leagues in Europe. This is a guy who knows how to play under bright lights. He's not afraid of pressure and he gives them the shot making ability that they need to play off of Giannis. And if all that's going to cost you is essentially Dante DiVincenzo. Great. Well, like you look at where he slots in and Milwaukee's hierarchy of, you know, guys you want taking the shot in the yeah. last two minutes of the game. He's fourth, realistically. Third, fourth option. I, it's him or Chris Middleton. I, I, it's something that Matthias and I talked about a lot on the show during the playoffs was we both agree that Chris Middleton is probably a little bit overmatched as a straight up number two option on a, on a championship contender. I think Drew takes over that number two spot behind Giannis and puts Middleton right – I. Is Drew Holiday better than Chris Middleton? I think that's a conversation we'll have to have as the season goes on. I would I be. In- I, don't, I don't think that's a conversation. I think you're kind of selling Middleton a little bit short. I mean, he's. I. I get what you're saying. He's ben not. Does that. I do that. I do. He's not the player that you think of when you think of the second fiddle on a championship team. You know, he's not. He's not Anthony Davis to Giannis as LeBron. But when you look at the players outside of that, three, four, five. Drew Holiday or Middleton, whichever one you want to call three, Drew Holiday, Bogdanovich, and Brooke Lopez. That rounds out, I think, the best starting lineup in the NBA. Very possible. Unless the Nets get James Harden, in which case, see I yeah. Look, I, we we're going to bring it up on the show on Thursday with this. I don't think there's any way Harden doesn't end up in Brooklyn. I hope not, man. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I and All this talk, Brooklyn has so I, many assets. All I'm saying is the NBA, even like – us three, huge NBA fans. When the Warriors were that dominant, we watched the NBA still religiously. But last year, not have not knowing what team was going to win, 
Um, you know, it, it was probably going to end up being one of the three of the Bucks, Clippers, or Lakers. And it ended up being one of those three. But parity and what we've done to get back to parity, I think that goes out the window if, if James Harden goes to the Nets. I'm not saying it's a bad, I'm not saying I like it. I'm saying I, I think it's realistic. I think honestly, yeah. if it comes down to Kyrie going back to Houston, mm-hmm. not going back, but like Kyrie going to Houston in the trade, I think you have to pull the trigger if you're Brooklyn. I don't necessarily no. think it's going to come down to that. Yeah. No. Brooklyn Harden and KD it. on the same team, you do anything to make that Brooklyn, yeah. Brooklyn does not make that deal unless yeah. they keep Harden, Kyrie, and KD. That's the whole they point. Say- They'll figure out how to make it work outside of that. But I, I don't believe – we'll see if the deal happens, but there's a 0.0% chance it happens with Kyrie going back to Houston. Yeah, they said – The purpose is bringing those three together. Yeah, they, they said they said there are only two untouchables there, and it's KD and Kyrie. Yeah. Um, about five minutes left. We got two trades to get to. First one, one that you know really was relevant for about two minutes uh, until the next one came in. It was Trevor Reza, the 16th pick, and a 2021 protected going back to the Rockets, and then the Blazers getting Covington. Um, you talk about the Rockets, you know, starting to get some more pieces to think about their future. This works for them, and then the Blazers get a good team defender in Covington, someone that can shoot from three, and that helps them win now. I, I think this is a good trade for the Blazers, but. I, I think they could have really used that 16th overall pick because what stood out to me about the Blazers last year outside of just like the onslaught of injuries that they had to deal with was that when CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard weren't on the court, they couldn't get anything going offensively. They just they didn't have anybody who could create a shot outside of those two. And I think they could have gotten a really good point guard with 16, be it you know, Maxi or Cole Anthony, Kira Lou, whoever was there, they could have really used a point guard there. I think Rocco makes a difference. I would have liked to see them shore up different areas. I think, I think this is kind of underselling Gary Trent. I think he's got a lot more room to improve as a player. Uh, their wing defense is important, but this, to me, this says they don't believe in Rodney Hood, which, you know, he is coming well, off a tournament. He declined, he, he, he declined he, his yeah. option too. So he's gone. Also, what is, do we not know what Rodney Hood is at this point? It's kind of a question of like, he's been, how long has Rodney Hood been in the league? Six years now? Yeah. And, but like, I think if he, cannot, he could fill a somewhat similar role to what Covington did. But I think outside of their perimeter defense, I think the bigger issue and the Achilles heel in the Blazers as a team was that they didn't have any secondary creators outside of McCollum and Lillard. That still exists. How they fix it, if they I have no idea. I, do you think? I do you think CJ and Dame have run their time together? Do you think they can improve? I mean, how much better can that team get? I think that team can get better. I think. Yeah, I think the big question there is um, is Zach Collins, who really high potential player. He's just he's gotten horrible luck with injuries lately, like mm-hmm. over his career. I think if he can stay healthy, if they can continue to see Gary Trent grow at the rate which he was, and if Anthony Simons can, you know, realize the potential that everybody seemingly within the Blazers organization had in him, I think they can get a lot better. Um, I don't think the problem is CJ and Dame. I, you know, there's a lot of unanswered questions, but I think you can kind of throw last year out the window, given how much difficulty they had just building a healthy team day in and day out. Um, I also just what, think it was it was kind of a, a shock to read to get the Walsh tweet. Look at Rockets are finalizing a trade. I like my heart like, starts uh, racing. I'm like, and it's for Trevor Reason, Robert. Cuff. I think that's the, not what I was looking for. The the only gift that applies there is no, they had us in the first half. Not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> literally. Um, and the last one, which it's really unfortunate because this was a 
huge trade. And again, no one cares about it. Like 12 hours later is Dennis Schroeder going to the Lakers for Danny green and 28. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Danny, a lot of people have been arguing that Danny green, at least in theory is a better fit next to LeBron. But I think Schroeder at the end of the day is a better player. He's younger. Um, and you don't have to give that much up for him. I like the deal. I really yeah. like Dennis Schroeder as a player. It's a fine deal. Um, I honestly didn't, I didn't pay too much attention to it. Uh, this one resonated more for me is because it completely nixed those, uh, those Danny Green 28 and Kyle Kuzma to San Antonio for DeMar DeRozan rumors. Thank God. Slammed the door on that. That was the first and only time I consider this trade is because it doesn't, it, it, it removes the possibility of Kyle Kuzma wearing a Spurs jersey, at least for a year. It's a low risk kind of low impact trade. I mean, Schroeder becomes their backup playmaker. It's like you move it. I guess I, maybe you're worried about like cap flexibility with Danny Green. I don't know what his contract looks like right now, but it tells you that Rondo's probably not coming back. He's probably going to look for another contender to play for. So it fills that hole in your backcourt, him and Caruso. I mean, you don't really, at the end of the day too, you don't really want to rely on Rondo to give you what he did in the playoffs because he was fantastic, but you know, you, you really think you're going to get that out of him again? Probably not. I, he looked like prime Celtics Rondo, and we hadn't seen that in five years. Yeah. It's a good move by a team that just needed to retool a little bit. They don't need mm-hmm. to make any proper changes. No. <laughs> They're going to be right back in the title contention next year. Exactly. Uh, gentlemen, we've reached the end of the line. You guys got anything else to add? I want um, Tyrese Halliburton on the Knicks. That okay. is what I want. That's what you want? Okay. Um I want the Spurs to make a move. I want number two. I want either wide. Yeah. Uh, you know, these next 24 hours will certainly be interesting. Now, I'll ask you a question here, Ethan. Um, with the Fiesta jerseys, right? Yeah. I knew we couldn't get through a whole show without you bringing up the Fiesta jerseys. Oh, say, say the deal. Say Wiseman ends up in a Spurs jersey, right? What's yeah. the first Fiesta jersey you get? Is it Wiseman? No, nah, Kelvin Johnson. That's my dude. Oh, okay. That's your Stone dude? Cold. He knew that answer immediately. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm as big of a Kelvin Johnson fan as you can find. I, I love him. I think his personality, his style of play, he's hey, he's perfect. He's just he's, he's cheesing all the time. Like, how can you not root for him? Same question to you, Matias. What do you get? I, current, I, I, current spur. Current spur. Yeah, well, I already I have my Manu jersey. Uh, I have my I have a DeRozan jersey, actually, I got as a gift. Um, it's a not fiesta? the ca- no, 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 no. It's not the no, camo it's like what one. Fiesta jersey oh. do you get? Um, it's probably Lonnie. Interesting. Good choice. And if it's not Lonnie, hell, I'll do a custom. I'll get a Bellinelli jersey. <laughs> what do you mean? We're re-signing Bellinelli to a max oh, deal. Oh, God. Oh, no. Never that. Never that. Max Bellinelli. <laughs> I, I wrote one article suggesting they bring back Bellinelli. said it wouldn't be the worst option. I have never received more hate. <laughs> online than i did that day monty if you're listening to this i'm talking directly to you <laughs> spurs next right yes that's been that's been my whole timeline it's just been him just going at you i swear to god i'm gonna fight him <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll end on that note second floor sports with ethan farina you can read all of his stuff on air alamo the site expert guy just gets things done averages like 17 articles a day uh ben carlton to my left i'm matthias Wallman. you can listen to us everywhere on spotify google pods apple pods watch us on youtube of course the fan favorite breaker um and of course thank you to anchor for uh helping us put this episode up we will talk to you guys on thursday again ethan always a pleasure
Thanks for having me on, guys. It was a pleasure.